the title of my sermon is Get the Oil, and that's a phrase borrowed from my late Aunt Joy. I remember her saying that when she taught on this parable from Matthew 25. A parable, Jesus, about 35% of his teachings was through parables, which is simply a story that teaches a lesson. A parable is a story that teaches a lesson, and that is how Jesus, that was Jesus' art form, his medium, his art medium, to teach truth. Art is the creative expression of truth. And so Jesus told stories to teach truth, and this is one of them. And in this section of scripture in Matthew, there are, there are at least two preparation parables back-to-back that speaks of preparedness. So today I want to look at one of them, and maybe next week we'll look at the other one. This is a parable about preparedness, and I think God has laid it on my heart as a really good parable to take with us into this brand new year, this parable of the wise and foolish virgins. So before I read this text, here's some cultural background in case you're not familiar with this parable Jesus taught. In ancient Jewish times, A man and a woman would become engaged after their fathers had met and agreed on the bride price and the dowry. Then it was all, it was an arranged marriage. And so they would become engaged and the engagement or the betrothal period would usually last a year. And then after a year of engagement would be their wedding. And and the way it, it worked is commonly the bridegroom would after spending that year getting a place ready for his bride, and that would either be probably added on to his parents' house or his own separate home. And this reminds me of the scripture, I think in John 14 too, where Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would not have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you may be also. So there's a a picture of our heavenly bridegroom preparing a place for us. And so the, bride, the, the man would spend that year preparing a place for his bride. And then on at the time of the wedding, he would come usually in the night to the bride's home where she was still living with her parents, and he would take her back to his place. And it was this huge bridal procession. And the wedding would actually last seven days. And there was a bridal party accompanying this procession. It was a bridal party. And it was commonly 10 people. And they were virgins. And virgins, when you see that word in scripture, it's synonymous with a young unmarried woman. Okay? That's what the bridal party was. So that's what would happen. So there's the background to help us understand what's going on. Now let's read Matthew 25, starting in verse 1. Matthew 25, 1. New King James Version is what I'm reading from. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose 
and trimmed their lamps. And, some f- and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready, those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Let's go back and take a zoom in a little bit and take a closer look at what Jesus is wanting to teach through this parable. It's a very sobering parable about being prepared, and I think, as I've said before, these parables and truths in Scripture are layered, and so they can, have, they can apply in two different layers of meaning. I think this is a, a, a parable about being prepared for the end times, the return of Jesus Christ, very obviously, but it's also a, a, a a parable about daily preparation because we need to be prepared daily. Look, you can think you're prepared for the end, for Christ's second return, but if you are not prepared for his daily coming to you, you may not actually be prepared for his second return. I'm going to say that again. You may think you're prepared for Christ's second return to this earth, But if you are also not preparing every day for his daily coming to you personally, you may not actually be prepared for his second coming because some sinner's prayer that you prayed years ago in church is not necessarily your ticket in if you and I are not doing what these wise virgins did preparing ourselves by having enough oil in our lamps. So let's talk about what that means. So if going back to the parable in the beginning, the kingdom of heaven is like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Notice, first of all, all of these women, all ten of them, are going out to meet the bridegroom. They are interested. They're not detached. They're not disinterested. They're not distanced from this wedding. They have a keen keen involvement. They have been invited to be a part of this wedding party. They are full of intention. They're going to meet the bridegroom. These are good church people. Going every Sunday. They're showing up. They're full of good intention. They want to be a part of this wedding. Notice that first of all. But it says five are wise and five are foolish. Remember, when I talked about the tree of knowledge recently, I said Christianity does not merely offer us a choice between good and evil. You can go to any religion or even non-religion. You can go to humanism to get that choice. The tree of knowledge was supposed to, it was forbidden so that we wouldn't have to think about making that choice. 
Because that takes wisdom and discernment. The choices of Christianity involve life and death, as I've already said. I think that was last week or the week before. But here's another choice, wisdom and foolishness. Because you got good people saying all kinds of foolish and things, and you got bad people, quote-unquote, that really sometimes have a lot more wisdom than good people I've seen. So the choice here is between wisdom and foolishness. And let's see what that looks like. So five were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. What this is saying is they had oil in their lamps, but they had no extra oil. They didn't have enough extra. Now this could have been just a side note if you research this. It could have been a, a torch they would have carried with some kind of a bowl on the end of a a stick-like thing with some kind of fabric in there and oil, and, and the fabric would burn, or it could have been a clay lamp. We don't know for sure, but that's not the point. The point is they didn't have enough oil with them. Verse 4 says, The wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So they had oil in their lamps, but they also had extra oil in their vessels for when they ran out of oil and needed a refill in their lamps. And while the bridegroom was delayed, that's important. The bridegroom does delay his coming. And if you haven't figured out yet, the bridegroom in this story is Jesus, and we're going to talk more about that. Actually, let me just talk about it right now. No, I'll talk about it when we get to the end. I'm going to go in order. <laughs> um, where The bridegroom was delayed, and there is, for 2,000 years, there seems to have been a delay in Jesus' coming. I mean, when these scriptures were being written, the apostles were saying, hey, get ready. Jesus is going to return. And here we are, and he, the bridegroom is still delayed, but that doesn't mean he's not coming. There's a reason he delays his coming. It's because God is not willing, as the scripture says, that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's very patient, very long-suffering. He wants to gather as many as he can into this wedding feast. The book of Revelation talks about the great wedding feast of the Lamb, the consummation of our marriage to the Lord as his bride. Collectively, we as the church, all believers worldwide, are referred to as the bride of Christ. And so this marriage will be consummated in heaven, in the new heavens, in the new earth, in that time when the bridegroom returns to get his bride. And so the purpose for the delay is so that you and I will be ready and more and more will come into this kingdom. So it says, while the bridegroom was delayed, notice verse 5, it says, they all slumbered and slept. Even the wise slumbered and slept. Don't you know sometimes it's so easy for us to slumber and sleep spiritually. Don't we so easily become spiritually comatose and complacent? I don't know about you, but for me, it's when things are really easy. No problems, no stressors, everything's good. 
bills are paid, feeling good, healthy. It's so easy to slip just like that into a spiritual slumber where I don't feel, I don't have a felt need for God. So it says they all slumbered and slept, all 10 of them, and at midnight a cry was heard, behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him, or or I could say, let's go out to meet him. Verse 7 is interesting, in the Greek here it says, all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. This word trimmed in the original Greek is cosmeo, where we get our word cosmetic. It literally means to beautify, arrange, decorate, furnish, embellish, adorn, and put in order. So they're all trimming their lamps. And if you've ever had an oil lamp, you know you've got to trim the wick, right? In order for it to keep burning. And the foolish said to the wise, verse 8, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. There is nothing so strange and foolish as to trim a lamp that has no oil. The church in America today is well trimmed. I mean, we've even literally trimmed this church for Christmas and I love it. But you and I in our private individual lives and the church at large are so easily conditioned to have well-trimmed lamps, everything so well-polished and looking good. I mean, the logistics all in place for our church services. Everything about our lives looking so well-trimmed and so put together on the outside. We've got our rituals and our religious endeavors. We are well-trimmed lamps. But I wonder how many of us, especially in the Church of America today, are well-trimmed lamps with no oil. My hope and prayer for this year at Wellsburg Community Church is that we not just be a well-trimmed lamp. And oh, we need some trimming. I mean, there are some, we, 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 we have needs. We need resources, right? Like, like we need to pay attention to, to doing things excellently, to logistics. We have some holes. We have some things missing. We need help. You know, we, 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 we're just doing the very best we can with the very limited resources we have. But I have this concern, dear ones, I have this concern that we could become, if the Lord should provide and send the resources we need, we could become this well-trimmed lamp, this church that has all the things, the trendy music, the great sound, all the logistics in place, the technology, the programs, the great and fabulous preaching, if the Lord should send that our way. (laughs) My concern is that we could become that well-trimmed lamp as a church, no oil. And my concern for myself as a person 
is that I pers- as I pursue my own ambitions and my own goals and my lofty dreams, that I could make a name for myself and be that well-trimmed lamp, well-trimmed lamp and be empty, no oil inside. So let's talk about that oil. It says they all trimmed their lamps, including the foolish virgins who had no oil in a lamp as they were trimming it. Give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. Notice they had oil. That's the sobering thought. They had a supply of oil. But they didn't have enough. They ran out. I mean, again, these are good God-fearing church people. They've got the Holy Spirit. So in case you didn't know, the Holy Spirit in Scripture always refers, the oil oil in Scripture always refers to the Holy Spirit. That's very easy to figure out because when you start in the Old Testament, the law of first mention, the priest would take the oil that was olive oil and they would anoint, that is they would slather or pour oil on the, the articles for ministry or on a person. A priest would be anointed and that symbolized the Holy Spirit is coming upon this person to set them apart to do, to do the work of the ministry. And it is said, and then, so then that is fulfilled in the New Testament, for instance, uh, if you come to the book of Acts, it says in Acts 1.8, God anointed, same word that they used for the, the pouring of oil, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Oil represents the Holy Spirit. And then Acts, that's Acts 10.38, I'm sorry, 10.38, and then in Acts 1.8, it speaks of us in our anointing. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is an anointing symbolized by this pouring of oil. So these foolish virgins at one time had the Holy Spirit in their lives. They had been anointed. But now they're at, they've run out of oil. Verse 9, the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. We've got to have enough of the Holy Spirit for ourselves. You know, there's a saying, God has no grandchildren. We cannot shirt tail off someone else's faith. We can't think that we're going to be okay because we, we are spoon-fed someone else's constant teaching that they've regurgitated from the word of God. No, we've got to get it for ourselves. We've got to get it for ourselves. There's an abundant supply. And so... While they went to buy, verse 10, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. What defined readiness? It was not a well-trimmed lamp. Being well-trimmed, looking good on the outside, impressing everybody with one's spiritual gifts and great spiritual um, eloquence or being equipped to do what God has called us to do, those are all very important things. 
But being ready had nothing to do with having a well-trimmed lamp. And it had everything to do with oil. With simply having the Holy Spirit and being full of him. The door was shut. Kind of reminds me of that old picture from Genesis 6. Remember that ark? When the door was shut, it was too late. No one else could get in, even though God had been patient for a hundred years, warning people, this door's going to be shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, verse 11, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. Now, this is interesting. You don't call a bridegroom Lord. I've never been to a wedding and seen all the wedding guests saying, oh, Lord, to the bridegroom. That's something you would only address the God of all the earth the judge of all. So the story is changing, and Jesus is now teaching his meaning. He's now revealing his meaning, making it very, very clear that he himself is the bridegroom. They came and said, Lord, Lord, open to us. And notice they knew how to address him. They understood that he was master. He was Lord. They have served him. Now, see, now it's, now it's the story is, it's changing and we're seeing the meaning. This, ver- this is a parable for Christians. It is a parable for those who have had oil, who've been filled with the Holy Spirit, who are well-trimmed, who know all the things, who understand, who have the law of God. It is a parable for those who have called him Lord. Lord, open to us. And what does he say in verse 12? Very sobering. He says, assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Because at the end of the day and at the end of our lives, when we stand before God in eternity, that will be the only question there will be to answer. That'll be it. It's not going to be about what did you do? What'd you accomplish? What'd you do for me? How hard did you work for me? No. The only question to answer is, do you know me? And the only way to know him is to have him. And the only way to have him is to ask for him to come into your life. Fill me like that oil filling the lamp. I had a dream once years ago. I've probably told you this more than once. I'll never forget it. I dreamed I stood face to face with Jesus. And my dream, all of a sudden, there he was, right in front of me, standing right in front of me. Probably like from here, it's close from me to Mary. He's standing right in front of me. And I said, I was so excited to see him, Jesus. And in the dream, he had a blank stare on his face clearly did not recognize me, and he said, oh, hi, may I help you? You never forget that stuff. I do not know you. It was a warning, because I was a good little church girl. I've been raised in church. I know scripture. I, I, I know all the things. I know what to do to make God happy. That's not what he's after. He's already happy with you. He loves you. 
He wants to know you. He wants to be close to you. He wants to come into your life and fill you. And why oil? Because when you think of all the things that oil does, oil heals, it polishes, it shines, it illuminates, it warms the soul. Oil is for so many uses. It is a healing balm. It, it, it lubricates. It's the thing that comes into those relationships and brings healing. Those things can only be accomplished by the Holy Spirit filling your life and mine every single day. This is not just about preparedness for the end times. It's a daily preparedness. Every single day, there's a cry that goes out to you and to me. Every 24 hours, every single day, behold, the bridegroom is coming. He's standing at your door daily knocking. And we can either keep slumbering or sleeping, or we can either keep trimming our lamps and trying to look good and put ourselves all together, or we can go to him and say, fill me, I need you, Holy Spirit. I can't do this without you. I can't live this life without you. I can't be who you want me to be without you. Fill me. Verse 13, Jesus concludes this parable by saying, watch therefore. And this word watch is a very active watching. It's a daily watching, being on guard, that I don't slumber and sleep, that I don't run out of oil. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. <clears throat> When he says the son of man, he's clearly referring to himself, the son of man with a capital S and a capital M. That's a clear, common reference to Jesus and scripture, and he's very clearly referring to himself as the bridegroom in this story. This is a very clear profession and claim to deity. You know why? Because over and over in the Old Testament, God refers to himself as the bridegroom. It's in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea. I am the bridegroom. I will be your lover. I will be a husband to you. I will betroth myself to you in righteousness. It's all over. God introduces himself in the Old Testament as the, as the bridegroom. And now here's Jesus saying, hey, that's me. I'm God in the flesh. Come to us. Emmanuel, Jesus, the reason we celebrated Christmas. There's a lot of talk. There's been a lot of talk in the news and in conversations among those who follow the news about preparedness. And it's important. And as the Lord leads and as we <clears throat> watch current events unfold, we have to be responsible as a church to help us, to help each other get prepared for whatever's going to happen in this crazy economy. It's, it's important. We shouldn't have our head in the sand. And 
we're very alert and watchful in regard to that. But what would happen if we became Holy Spirit preppers? I mean, it does no good to have a stockpile, a truckload of beans and rice in your ground. And then that day comes and to have those words spoken, I don't know you. What if we're to, we were to become... Holy Spirit preppers, storing up a good supply of oil so that we have not just enough Holy Spirit for ourselves, but then to give out to others. Because there's coming a day, sooner than later, I believe, when people are going to be desperate for God. And I want to be ready for that. I want to have the oil. I want to be that bright, shining light because of the Holy Spirit in me. <clears throat> Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not be drunk with wine, <clears throat> a substitute for oil. That's a common go-to. It's just an example, one example, a common go-to for people who are looking for healing, for things that only the Holy Spirit can do in your life, really, truly. Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, foolish living, but be filled with the Spirit. And this filled word in the Greek is a daily continual filling with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, because worship is the natural outflow of being filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm reminded in closing of a song that we've sung here before. Jeff has led us in this old song from Keith Green, and there's a verse in the song that says, Oh, Lord, <clears throat> please light the fire that once burned bright and clear. Replace the lamp of my first love that burns with holy fear. We bow our heads and pray together. Just want to take a minute. Don't be afraid of silence. Let's just take a minute to examine our hearts, the lamps of our lives, examine our oil supply.
Father God, none of us, myself included, are immune to this slumbering, sleeping condition that causes us to so easily run short of the supply of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And Lord, I pray for those who may not have ever come to you in the first place and said, I want to know you. Jesus, I need you in my life. I have this lamp, but it's empty. I have no light in me, no light in myself. I have no, no deep inner peace, no, no assurance that you are with me, that you own me, that I own you, that I have you, that, that I know you. Lord, I pray for those who would say, Faith, if I stand before God on that day in the end, at the end of my life, I don't, I don't know what I would say. I don't know if he would recognize me. I don't know if he would say that he knows me. I want to know him. If that's you this morning, then all you have to do, all you have to do is just say, yes, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want to know you. I say yes to you. Come into my life. Fill me. Whatever that means, just fill me up with you, with your Holy Spirit, which is the invisible part of God that we can't see, but he's just as much a person, just as real as the Father and the Son. Yes, I need that Holy Spirit in my life. And for the rest of us, Lord, this year, may, may we not become that well-trimmed lamp that's void of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would fill this place so full of the Spirit, so full of that oil, that anointing, that every single person who walks in would be hit with it, would be consumed with it. would feel it, would be absolutely transformed by that presence. And I pray for each, each of us as individuals that we would be counted among the wise. Lord, I pray that daily we would take time to set apart with you, that even if we have to figure out what it is we need to give up in order to have time to spend with you, and to get the oil. I pray that we would become those wise, oil-bearing people. So Lord, today as we close, we lift our hands to you open, our palms open, lamps as it were saying, fill us. Fill me, Lord, would you do that? Just ask him, just ask him, fill me. Just wherever you are, you can say it out loud, you can yell it, you can whisper it. Let's just ask him together, fill me, fill me, Lord. I need you, Holy Spirit. I need a refill. I need you to fill me up. Come fill us, Holy Spirit. Fill us. 
I would ask you humbly to pray with me every day. Make it your regular prayer that God would not only fill us as individuals, but that he would fill this church with that oil. We need it. We need it. We don't want to play church. We don't want to just go through the motions. We need that oil so desperately, and we're going to need it more and more. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for this food that Cherie has prepared for us. I pray that you would bless it. I pray that you would bless our fellowship. Give us those all-seeing eyes to look around and see who needs to just be anointed with that oil from us, that soothing oil that says, hey, I see you. Help us to be encouragers for each other today and leave no one left alone. In Jesus' name, amen.